Welcome to the Lila Life Show. I'm Linda Tate Andrews, your host, Thrive Coach and Consultant, bringing you curious conversations with our peers and experts on integrating consciousness into the modern world. Tune in regularly to expand. Thanks for being here. show. I'm your host, Linda Tate, now Andrews, and I have a very special guest with me today, Raquel Cohen, who is an environmental educator, botanical stylist, energy worker, and author, and she helps people reconnect to the infinite power of nature. Welcome to the show today, Raquel. Oh, thank you so much, Linda. I am so excited to be here with you. Oh, it's so good. And for the next 45 minutes or so, we get to unpack uh, the common theme of these episodes. But what does integrating consciousness into the modern world mean to you? And how are you doing that work every day? Uh, what a great question. I love that question. So thinking on that, integrate, like what is raising consciousness right now? I mean, I think a lot of it is actually waking up. Um, I think so many of us are feeling sometimes stuck in our daily routines or stuck in life sometimes. And I think the consciousness comes with increasing your awareness of what's actually real in in our lives. And one of the things I've dealt with in my life is kind of having a hard time processing some of what humans like to do to each other and the planet. So for me, waking up was really coming to terms with like, what is real and what is kind of not real, but feels real at this time. And that's where nature really comes in. Cause that's where I feel the realness of awareness, the realness of consciousness. Um, I get that when I'm outside interacting with the natural world. So, and I do that I, every day. I try and make time for myself to do that. And then to share that with others, because I'm seeing, and I know from my own experience that the way we're currently living isn't really very much promoting of health and wellness. I think we end up feeling very stressed and anxious a lot of the time. I know that's something I've dealt with a lot, especially as an adult. And being able to come back to a place of awareness, a place of true consciousness. And for me, that it comes from my relationship with nature. Coming back to that always reminds me of what is real and makes me feel alive again. And you said like, what is real versus what isn't real? And like, what would be an example of what isn't real, but can feel real to you? Politics. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Diving right in. (laughs) I mean, it's real. Obviously it's real. It affects our lives. We can all feel it very much here in this country right now, but it's also completely made up and it doesn't have to be this way. It certainly doesn't have to be as toxic as it is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's made up and it's based a lot on humans need for drama and the fact that fear often motivates us. And I think that's another thing that's not real, but feels very real. Fear. And maybe at the heart of a lot of politics is fear. Oh, that's what drives it these days, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of fear, like we're recording this where we're at like the cusp of the coronavirus pan- pandemic or epidemic. And, um, you know, I caught myself today going through this transformation, we'll call it, of feeling really like weighed down by fear to, 
okay, wait a second, like connecting to myself, like what's real right now. Oh, I actually feel amazing. Uh, it's a Monday. Okay. You know, just going through this like internal present, like super present checklist of things and like getting back on the horse. And it was such an interesting, like maybe 12 hours or less than that, six hours of a day that it was like just literally pushing the restart button. And, and within the fear spiral, like if you can become aware of it, you could push the restart button right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks and she talks a lot about that. This Mm -hmm. of like, if you can get on top of that cycle of negative thought before it starts gaining the momentum and kind of getting away from you, then you can re you can reframe it. And that's what you did. (laughs) Nailed it. Gold star. Winning. (laughs) Winning so hard today. Uh, So for me, like with plants, I want to share personally, like, Mm, please do. Yeah. Lately. And I have, I have some greens in my office. I'm looking around. I have a pretty fresh handpicked bouquet. I have a few like hangers, my little uh, fiddle fig behind me. Mm -hmm. And then, maybe two others. So we're, we're rocking in this room feeling very oxygenated. Um, but lately, like when I look at plants, I have this reverence that I didn't have before. Mm. And it's almost like I catch myself and I'm like, this is weird. Like what's going on? Like a good weird. Yeah. Like I didn't used to even really kind of think twice. It was just like, there's green and moving on. Right. I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, let me ask you really quickly. When did you notice this shift for you? Like, when did you notice this greater awareness when you witnessed your plans? So I think it's funny because I got really into soil a few years ago and I'm like obsessed with dirt and like the idea of like rich soil. Like if I can talk to anyone like a girlfriend that can get down about soil. I'm just like fired up to talk about soil. Um, so that was already happening. And like the idea of where food comes from, but like reverence for plants, like this could be like within the past two weeks. Really? Yeah. Like that part of it didn't click and like, it just really clicked and, and maybe it was there, but I'm just literally talking about looking at one and being like, just mesmerized at what's going on, like the details, the aesthetic, like I could just get lost. And that's very new for me. Yeah. So I think what you're experiencing, and I think this is where I gain a lot of my benefit with living with plants. I think you're just appreciating their beingness, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're just so there. And you know, we don't really know what plants are thinking, (laughs) but one thing that we can really feel when we work with plants is that they exist, right? They're alive. They do what they're meant to do. They absorb carbon dioxide. They produce oxygen. They also absorb lots of other things from our air and with nice, clean, healthy soil, which I'm sure you love and I could totally geek out on you (laughs) with, they're able to alchemize things that are really toxins into growth material for the plant. So they just have this amazing ability to just be, you know, and it doesn't seem like they have this anxiety of, am I going to grow? Am I going to become the best plant I can be? They just do it. They just, Mm -hmm. you know, with the right conditions, with the right amount of sunlight, water, nutrients, 
they just grow and we appreciate that. And there's also something about, I think, seeing green, like seeing greenery around you that in my opinion and my own experience really soothes the mind and the spirit. Um, there is a famous biologist by the name of uh, Dr. E.O. Wilson. He was a Harvard biologist and he wrote a book back in the, this was either the seventies or the eighties. Biophilia. And say the name of it again. Biophilia. Biophilia. Mm-hmm. B-I-O-P-H-I-L-I-A. I think I'm spelling that right. Um, and basically what, that, yeah, yeah. So basically what that means is the love of life. And he had this whole hypothesis, biophilia hypothesis, which states that humans have this innate desire to connect with other species. Um, and it's in our DNA. It's like written genetically, it's coded into us because we, and we forget this sometimes, we evolved in nature. Hundreds of thousands of hundreds of thousands of years of human evolution, we were out in the natural world and we domesticated animals, right? And we domesticated plants. That's how we have agriculture. That's how we've grown the way we have. So the biophilia hypothesis states that humanity, you know, is part of nature. We love nature and that nature, it, it, it fills us, you know, it, it, that love we feel for it is genetically encoded within us. And when we separate ourselves from nature, which we have done for a number of decades at this point, it harms us and it also harms the planet because as we separate from that love, as we separate from that understanding of who we are as part of nature, we forget about the fact that we rely on all of the healthy processes of our ecosystems to survive. And so then we find that we're in a place like we're in now where you know, food safety is not always guaranteed in places around the world. You know, the the changing climate, it's happening. We have to deal with it. We have to figure out how we're going to live into the future with a changing climate. But a lot of that stuff, the fact that it's gotten this far is because we've kind of separated ourselves from the the natural world and feel as though we don't need a functioning climate to survive. Um, I think Earth will let us know that that's actually (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, and this is gets in like a whole different rabbit hole, but I think about like what earth needs and like earth needs whatever it needs. And like, whether that has to do with us or not, earth is going to do its needs and, yeah. you know, dot, dot, dot. And so it's like when you zoom way, 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 way out, but something about that thought gives me so much comfort because I'm like, well, that's not being decided today per se, you know, and like, and I'm here right now. So, you know, live with the gusto of right in this moment and, and like let earth do earth's job and with responsibility, I'm not like screwing like my role as a human at all, but it's like, you know, to, to gauge that fear piece and for whatever reason when you were talking, I was seeing like, you were talking about healthy plants, like living and like taking for granted that process. And I'm picturing like a human and like our heart beating and lungs pumping air and like Mm -hmm. that happening without much, much or really any consciousness for those processes to happen. And, and like on the other side, I have plants that have died, you know, and Mm -hmm. like, and they've died. Yeah. And like, and it's, it's like watching this very like graceful, like death of a plant 
it sounds sort of weird to say, but I'm like picturing one of my shriveled succulents that's like probably literally in the backyard right now that I like let be outside. And, um, and for whatever reason, like there's a lot of peace in that too. Mm-hmm. Well, especially since you love soil, right? You love good, healthy soil. So what is a dead plant going to become? Soil. Yeah. 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 It just like goes back into the system and the process and like a lesson of us understanding, like, you know, death, quote unquote, death, humans understanding death and, um, like the ability for there to be more peace and grace in that experience. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Cause like my whole thing is that I believe that um, intentional relationships with plants can really benefit our own health and our own wellness. That's mm-hmm. the, what I've experienced. And mm-hmm. I believe that's um, available to everyone. So one of the things I'm, I'm really big on is caring for your plants as an act of self-care. And one of the first things you need to do when that happens is not freak out every time you lose a plant or mm-hmm leaves are falling off or there's yellow tips on the, on the edges or there's brown spots. Like people often freak out about the fact that their plant doesn't look like it just came out of the nursery or it's been sprayed with like that polished stuff to make it look more green than it actually is. You have to let go of that. I think a lot of that is still the human fear of death and desire to control everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always advise people when you're wanting to care for plants as an act of self-care is to just release some of the control and recognize that plants are really good at doing what they need to do to survive. And and you're just someone to um, assist with that process to the best of your ability at that time. (laughs) Um, It sort of reminds me, I mean, I think parenthood is a little bit more (laughs) engaged than that, but like an element or an aspect of the approach of parenting where it's like, you know, is your role as a parent to control your child or is it to like help them thrive as a healthy living being similar to this fiddle fit behind me? I love that because I am a parent and I have to say the first few years of my daughter's life, um, I was kind of a nervous wreck. I, I was dealing with some postpartum anxiety and depression and these issues of control were becoming um, incapacitating. Mm-hmm. And that's when I became a parent is also when I actually kind of opened up to plants. Before that, my role as an environmental educator was really more from the standpoint of the uh, animals. I was really into animals. I used to be an animal trainer. Um, I worked with dolphins and did studies of humpback whales out in Hawaii. And I trained lions and cheetahs and crocodiles and all kinds of random animals out at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. But it was always animals. And then when I became a parent, it's like I was looking for more stillness, I think, (laughs) in my life. And like this world of plants just came in. And it was after my second daughter was born, like about a year after she was born, when I was, was going through some really tough times with um, anxiety and depression. And I just, I was like overcome by irrational fear. Um, and then it got, it, it turned into insomnia and it was, it was a tough time. Um, thankfully, I, I, this wasn't my first time with anxiety. So I knew when this got to the point where I was like, I need some help. You know, so I found a, a really great therapist and she 
saw within me the fact that I was really stuck energetically. And she recommended that I find some kind of creative outlet. And I, um, I started my kids' afternoon nap time and creating little pieces of succulent art with like clip succulents, which I've always been really enamored with. And my brain went quiet. Wow. It was like the one thing, I mean, anti-anxiety meds weren't doing that, you know, talk therapy while I love my therapist and we're still good friends. Talk therapy and anti-anxiety meds weren't quieting my brain. But when I got outside and started to create little mini habitats with you know, succulent clippings and stones and crystals and little pieces of wood and like just nature, just playing with nature. Like my brain shut up (laughs) and it was miraculous for me. And that's kind of how my business Infinite Succulent began. The art you, I guess the art and nature, I would say combined because it's both. But when I see them and I, I love sharing your posts because just what you explained is how I see with a lot of your posts. Like I have that moment on social media where I like engage seeing this beautiful piece of nature and I love crystals and it just, it's like striking for me. I don't know how else to explain it. And I'm like, I want other people to feel that feeling and you know, however it lands, I'm not responsible for that, but, um, you know, that's what I just like, love. I love it. I just love it. I feel, I feel all the energy that comes from what you put together in those posts. Uh, mm-hmm. So thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I, so it's such a, like, um, an interesting exchange with social media, right? Like there's so many things that can happen with social media. And to be quite honest, like I may not read everything you write in the post, but it's like this striking photo and like it's, there's an energy into, into it. And then other times I also read it and love it. (laughs) I think that's just as important, but, um, I love that you can feel that energy just from Mm -hmm. the photo. I mean, that is beautiful feedback. Thank you so much because that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to remind people to appreciate because we forget, we forget to appreciate what is around us. Like you were saying the fact that our bodies, like our hearts are beating and we're pumping oxygenated blood throughout our body. And we don't have to think about this. This is just happening. Right. But most of the day we don't appreciate that health and wellness that is flowing through us. We're fixated on, I mean, this is what our brain does. Like it just kind of, it's going to fixate on that 0.01% that feels not so good as opposed to the 99.98%. I don't think my math is right there, but (laughs) I hear you. Um, You know, the the majority that does feel good. And I know this personally because this is what my brain does to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, I definitely, it's an ancestral thing. It can go, I mean, it's, I'm sure there's past karma in there, Mm -hmm. but like, that's what I struggle with is a brain that often feels like a bully. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the plants have taught me how to listen in deeper and try and get out of thinking just from my head and learn how to think more from my heart, more from my, my sacral space, you know, even more from my root chakra itself, like the part of me that feels grounded and rooted. And the one thing I've always known in my life is that nature is where I see the divine, Mm -hmm. um, I was raised in a really religious environment. My family are modern Orthodox Jews. So um, 
like they're not, you know, you wouldn't see them like with black hats or my mom only wearing skirts, but like the modern Orthodox side of Judaism is such that like we, we wouldn't, um, we only ate kosher. Mm -hmm. And so when I was a kid growing up, if we ate, I'm a vegetarian now, but my family is not. So if we ate any kind of meat, we couldn't eat any kind of dairy for like three hours afterwards. You couldn't even let meat or dairy neck combine in your stomach. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so everything was kosher. And then for the Sabbath and certain holidays, we, from you know the night before until the night of the day of, so it's like sundown to sundown, we wouldn't use electricity. We wouldn't drive cars. You know, our lights were on a timer. Um, so it was a, it was a way of living that really, it's like observing. Uh, yeah, it was, but it was very regimented and it didn't, it never really resonated for me personally. I just, I, and also I had to learn the Old Testament and like I went to all Jewish schools and we had to like learn the Old Testament and I was just like, say what now? Like I, I did not understand the concept of God I was taught with. I, I, I was just like, that doesn't feel right to me. But then I'd go outside and play and I'd crawl underneath this little like weeping fur that was in our cul-de-sac and like it was like this tent in there and it was like a special place and like I would climb trees and I would feel the heartbeat of the tree right like it was just this like there was this like heartbeat of earth that I could always tap into and that's where I always felt like God right that's where I always felt magic I always felt like the aliveness um and then I'd have to be like forced into this like this is how we practice to God. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this doesn't feel right this to me. It's a lot different than everything else that feels like God. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't, I just, and I didn't, I didn't think that what I understood, what I felt of as God, which I always felt somehow in nature, whether it was an interaction I had watching the birds in the sky or seeing a deer out, you know, the window, or for me, you know, dolphins and the ocean, because that was out of my first love. Um, you know, that what I felt there and then being told, oh, well, if you eat that cheese as opposed to this cheese, you're sinning. And I'm just like, um, it just doesn't feel right to me or being told, it, it, it just never clicked. And for a while there, I was just like, I'm just not religious, you know? And I kind of left all that. But I also knew that I love my family. They're very supportive. Um, but there was a lot of guilt with like me being the black sheep, quote unquote, the one who kind of left the fold, the one who just never bought into it all. Um, so I had some guilt that I was dealing with, with like being like, this just doesn't work for me. This isn't the life that I want to live. Um, and it doesn't resonate with me, but also recognizing that when it comes to history and ancestry and just like culture, what, what do I want to hold on to and pass on to my kids? And what am I okay to be like, that's for some people, but does not for us kind of thing. Yeah. It's like the values within that and like being exposed to maybe as much as possible and like letting them land and find their lane of resonance. Right. Oh, definitely. I'm really big on making sure my kids know that they get to they get to chase after what is intriguing to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really, yeah, that's really important to me that I don't like, I can see my girls right now, they're six and eight. And I, I know kind of what they're interested in and what some of their innate talents are, but I would never want to, 
be like, this is the road you're going down. Like, I want them to figure that out for themselves. I think that's really important. And of course, there's going to be moments, you know, when you're a teenager, I don't think your brain is always (laughs) the best suited to make some of these decisions. So I want to be there as a guide. um, But I I don't want to feel as though I'm letting, like, this is the only path for you, which I think sometimes it felt like for some of us. Right. Yeah. There's, I was in like Christian school and middle school and I, um, remember we had the tape world religions and it was mm-hmm. like so exciting for me. And like the first exposure to like something different than just like Christianity. And I remember like we had to learn or learn or read passion passages from Taoism. And mm. I was like, everything I read, it was so deep. And I was like, this makes sense. Like this, like these just like little one-liners, it made so much sense. And when I got to college, like I wanted to study philosophy and, you know, I got really nervous because Rutgers actually had a really great philosophy program. And I thought I wasn't good enough, whole other story, but you know, it was like this craving, like this richness and behind the richness is like the truth. And just like within, in these, whether it could be one line or a passage or literature writing, um, like the truth. Right. And when you said like the, the love of the innate desire for connecting like humans to connect with nature, like there's truth in that. And it sounds like that's what you were navigating and finding and, uh, when you're talking about like letting plants, like not to freak out if a plant dies, let's say, yeah. or, or starting to brown. Um, I like to observe how patterns and like habits manifest. And, and it's like thinking and beliefs come out in all different ways of physical manifest. You know this. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, when literally my fiddle fig, like I, this I think was today, if not yesterday, but there was one leaf that fell down and in the, I see the leaf and I'm like, ah, oh, see, like, there you go. Like you're, you know, it's going to die. And it was like, worst case scenario, right, like feeling right. bad. And it's like, how many other places does that show up with like the littlest thing that happens yeah. and, and all the parallels with all the relationships that you can learn from those little bits of interaction with plants. Yeah, totally. And just so you know, um, a fiddle leaf dropping a leaf, very normal. And I'm, I'm seeing your plant behind you uh-huh. and she looks beautiful. Thank I don't you. think she's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she found her happy home. No, she looks beautiful. She doesn't, I've seen some, I've seen some uh, fiddles out there that are like struggling, but yours yeah. does not look like one. <laughs> I had one that was just a stick and it was a very short time for it to get to that point. I was like, all right. Yeah. Well, the thing with fiddles is that they tend, once you find a spot that they like, it doesn't require much for them to stay happy but you have to find the spot that they like. Yeah. That's what the person was like. These are low light, like in their nursery, they were low light. So they'll be good indoors. And I'm like, okay, so good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite plant? Like how do you do aesthetics? Is it the energy? What is it? I can't say I have one favorite plant because there's just so many and I would never want to box myself. (laughs) You're like, but I have my list of 20. Well, I have a favorite plant for different things, right? Like different moods or for different purposes. So I always recommend, so my top two plants that I recommend for newbies, if they want to bring plants inside their home, and both of these are are actually a type of succulent. Um, The first is the Sansevieria, or also known as the snake plant. 
And the second is aloe vera. Cool. And I actually, uh, just last week on IGTV, I posted a little video on how to make your own hand sanitizer using aloe vera, alcohol, vitamin E, and some essential oils if you have them. Yeah. Essential oils, but if you have them, it smells good. (laughs) I could uh, share that. Yeah. Yeah. So I love aloe vera. It's a magical medicinal plant. It is beautiful, right? They're, they, well, I used to be an ocean educator and I have a master's in marine biodiversity and conservation. So the ocean is really, really special to me. And there's something about the aloe vera plant that just reminds me of the ocean. I think that it reminds me of like an octopus with like its cool up. And um, so it reminds me of the ocean. And then, I mean, they've been used medicinally since ancient Egypt. There is a story that um, Cleopatra actually used aloe vera, used the beautiful gel and juice within aloe vera for her own beauty regime. Mm. And like, she was known to be quite beautiful and <laughs> smart and strong and fierce and all of that, of course. Girls, um, get yourself some aloe vera. <laughs> no, seriously, I yeah. have been making my own face masks and hair masks with the aloe vera. It is so easy and it feels so good. And I mean, for a face mask, it is really as easy as opening up a nice big aloe vera leaf, scooping out the gel inside, sticking it in a blender or using a little handheld blender. And that's it. And just putting that on your face. You can add more to it. Like I often like to add a drop of frankincense essential oil, or if you have like a little rose essential oil, just a little something that I know is really good for skin and to reduce like fine lines and wrinkles. I'll like add a drop and then I just put it on my face and leave it on for anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes until it feels crackly, you know, mm-hmm. dry. And then you just rinse it off and like your skin just feels like, it's like saying thank you. you know? <laughs> yeah, it feels so good. It like tightens and also moisturizes. Um, and since now I'm 40, I have to like think about this. <laughs> well, it, uh, let's me just say the aloe vera is working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's working. And then I've been using it in my hair a lot because my hair has been really, really dry. I, um, ever since having kids, I find that my hair has really changed a lot. So mm. I've been making hair masks. I just add a little avocado oil and, um, some drops of essential oils to that. And I just like go into the shower and pour it all over my hair and like leave it in there for, you know, maybe like two hours, mm. rinse it out. And it just so soft. It feels so soft afterwards. And it feels really good on the scalp while it's on there. It has this kind of it feels kind of cool, but you can feel like your scalp is absorbing it, which mm. how often do we feel like our scalp absor- absorbs anything good for it? Yeah. And I feel like, like my scalp could be thirsty right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It often it is. And like, it, it can be itchy. And so it really helps with any kind of inflamed skin or itch. So anyone who's dealing with like dandruff or like itchy scalp, itchy head, like aloe vera is going to be really nice for that. Um, and another fun story with aloe vera, yeah, cause I know you have a dog too, right? Yeah. And you're in Florida. So does your dog ever get hot spots? Start, like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my dog is one of those dogs who is kind of like a cat. She likes to groom herself mm-hmm. um, and likes to like, like groom her paws. And she'll really start working at a little something until it becomes like a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And she hates being treated. Like I, she would go hide under chairs and I'd have to go and like pull her out and have someone hold her so I could like treat her with the chlorohexaderm or whatever they're giving for me to put on her. And then I discovered aloe vera and I just 
cut open a small piece of aloe vera. I don't even like scoop it out. I just open it up and I just rub it right on the spot. She loves it. Like I just hold a piece of aloe vera and she comes running wow. over, tail wagging. She like lay over and like flop. <laughs> like oh. show me her belly. Like, come on, mom, I'm ready. Do I'm it. Ready. Yeah. I have to share because it's it's the heaven. I mean, it's just so amazing. She knows it feels good. Like it feels good on her skin. It takes away the itchies. And it has really, really helped so much. Um, so that is something I very highly recommend. Everyone should have at least one good size aloe vera plant in their home or in their garden. Sunburns, scrapes, yeah. um, obviously making fun hair masks. You can make hand sanitizer. I know a lot of people who ingest it. Personally, I don't like the way it tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have don't feel like I have a need necessarily to drink it. I know for some people who have like irritable bowel stuff or some digestive issues, it can be really helpful. But I I don't I can't speak too much to that because I haven't I haven't really done that so much. But yeah, I didn't realize I you could it. just scoop the meat out for the smoothie, like the blender. That sounds yeah. such an easy way to use it. It's um, so easy. It's so easy. The, so you're obviously like super connected with nature and very much to me that ties in with spirituality, but tell me, share a little about like the energy working element and how that all connects for you. Uh, what a great question. So it's interesting. Cause I've always, as I mentioned, like I never considered myself religious, but I always felt connected to spirit. Like I always felt like there was something that, that, beyond us, like a creator, something. But for a while, I, I kind of just didn't pay any attention to it. So I actually think that my spiritual awakening had a lot to do with the plants I was working on. I feel like the path I'm on with spirituality being a main focus in my life right now mm-hmm. is through the plants influence. Um, so I, you know, I first started creating art with the plants out of a place of necessity really. And it helped alleviate, um, a lot of negative feelings for me. But then once I kind of created a business and all of a sudden, what was my passion and my therapy turned into like, kind of like a way to make money. And so there were some other things that started to come in a lot of like imposter syndrome, a lot of like, I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I never even wanted to be. Why, why, when did this happen? <laughs> right. Um, and just some other things were kind of arising. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but something within the plants kept been telling me to go inward. Like stop looking for external validation all the time. It's time for you to get quieter and go inward. And I use my plants for that a lot. Like I actually, my meditation space is surrounded with plants. And sometimes I'll just sit and like have a hand on a plant as I meditate. Mm. And I find that it grounds me even deeper, which is really nice. So the plants really, first of all, got me to get a little bit more quiet and to desire to feel like I'm able to validate myself from a place of deep internal acceptance, Mm -hmm. um, which the plants are still leading me on that journey. It's an, it's a, it's a, it's a forever healing. Yeah. That's a, that's not a journey. That's a destiny or that's not, that's the journey, not the destination on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's the thing is they help remind me of that. But I quickly, I started, so when I first started playing with plants, a lot of the times it was succulents. 
An amazing thing about succulents is you can plant them into anything, right? Like you can really plant them into anything. So I was really into that. Um, and so I'd find really cool things in thrift stores. Love going to thrift stores and just finding treasures. And I found a couple of crystals that were candle holders. And I was like, I could totally, totally plant succulents into those. And I've always loved crystals and stones and shells and rocks. And I used to, when I traveled a lot, because um, I did like, and in my freshman year, well, half of my freshman year, I was in Israel. And my entire junior year, I was in Australia. And I just like traveling. And mm-hmm. actually, I miss that. I need to do that again. But <laughs> anyway. Note to self. Um, yeah. Like I just, I would always pick up certain stones that really spooked me. Those, those kind of elements of nature have always been things that I love to collect and have always caught my attention. So I saw these crystals and started planting into crystals. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of like this. And at first I just thought it was something pretty and shiny and sparkly. But then I started noticing that as I was working with crystals and plants, like if I had started the day feeling kind of tight and anxious or not very present, when I'd go and plant into the crystals, I'd find myself feeling a lot better. And I just got curious, like what beyond just the prettiness of these stones, what else is going on here? So I started studying a little bit more about the metaphysical properties of the crystals. And that had me learning about the chakras and had me learning about energy flow. And I think it was about maybe a year into really working a lot with the crystals. I went and got certified as a crystal energy worker um, which taught me, it, it incorporates kind of some forms of um, energy movement, kind of like Reiki, mm-hmm. um, as we also use different stones to help release old stagnant energy and um, re-energize the body with more cleaner energy, which I call prana, which is also like prana, chi, ki, but that same word for that vital life force energy that's constantly flowing into us. So you can use the crystals as a tool to help that flow back into the body and also releasing any stale energy that is not allowing that fresh prana to flow in. So I got... I started doing that, which was really fun. And at first I was just kind of practicing on myself or on friends, but then I wanted to do more. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, I wanted to know more about energy manipulation um, for myself as well as um, it's interesting because I am not, I have not been trained in Reiki, but one of my friends in college was, and he used to always work with me because he was like, you are just an energy person. Like you're really receptive and I can just feel energy come off of you. So I was always his like guinea pig (laughs) because he was studying Reiki. But I've always been one of those people who um, has played with energy. Like I could feel it in my hands a lot as a kid. And I, um, I would always like do massages with my girlfriends in high school and college. And they'd always come to me when they were in pain. They're like, can you help? Because they're, they would just be like, your hand, you have healing hands, you know, like you can find the spots where it hurts. And sometimes my friends, if their stomach was hurting, they're like, can you just put your hands on my stomach? It always feels better when you do that. And I didn't know what I was doing. I would just put my hands on them. But especially now that I was learning about energy, I was like, wait a second, this is something that I've kind of done intuitively my whole life. And I really want to learn more and become really intentional with it. 
Um, and then of course, going through some of the classes we did together, Linda, with the summer of spirit school and third eye, some of the stuff that was starting to come out. Like, and I, I've also always people who I'm close with, like they've always been like, get out of my head because I've unintended, I'm, 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 I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a long time, I didn't know really what that was um, beyond knowing that if I was sitting there playing a game with a friend, I could read their mind sometimes. <laughs> um, and I didn't really have any control of it. Like I had an experience one time in an airplane where we were on a plane and it got really bumpy at one point, which, you know, is never comfortable, but I've been on a lot of airplanes. It's never been something that I'm like, oh, we're going down, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay, let's get past this part. Yeah, yeah, we're in some bumpy spots. It's going to be okay. Like, just breathe and everything's fine. But all of a sudden, I was on this airplane and it was shaky. And I was like, I can't breathe. Like, I was panicking. And I look over at my husband and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but like, I feel like I can't breathe. I'm like super panicky. Like, and, and then all of a sudden I look through the seat, little crack in the seat in front of me. And the woman in front of me is freaking like, like in a bag, wow. like hyperventilating. And I had to be like, okay, Raquel, this is not, you're not feeling your feelings right now. Like just for so long, I didn't realize that I was taking in other people's emotions. And so it would have to be something as drastic as that, like hyperventilating because someone in front of me was hyperventilating wow. thing for me to be like, think it's time for me to focus on like harnessing this energy a little bit better. <laughs> um, or who knows what's about to happen. Right. right. Well, I think that's part of, I mean, I'm a cancer, so I'm, I'm a moody person and I recognize that moods move through me like water. And sometimes I just have to be okay with that. But I also had to recognize that sometimes the emotions I was feeling were not even my own. Right. And like, when your own emotions can be so confusing and then you're taking in everyone else's emotions, like you kind of feel a little crazy sometimes. So I really was like, I need to start figuring out how to get centered, right? Like how to find my center, how to find my true North, my inner calm, because you can't expect life to always become that is definitely not going to happen. Yeah, that's the farthest thing. Then, right. And I just found myself being becoming way more reactive than... And so I think that working intimately with plants, learning from plants, learning how to pick up on their subtle cues because they do communicate. They communicate with each other and they communicate with us as well. Like learning how to pick up on that requires a little bit more centering, which mm-hmm. I needed in my life. Um, it's yeah. like, it, it's like a, a very, everything I've heard from you today is like relates to intuition and connecting to your intuition and like through really different ways than I've experienced or even really heard of, but like through the plant world and like through these own experience you've had with yourself, it, it's really cool to hear of a way to connect to your intuition, like through these other mediums that I think over time would have been like the number one source and way to learn, but we've lost some of that. Yeah. Yeah, we have, we have. And I think sometimes it can be as simple as like taking a moment just to look outside your window and, you know, seeing if there's a tree, you know, like maybe you can see a tree outside your window and then just really focusing on that tree and breathing and like trying to almost consider your mind going blank a little bit and see what comes up. 
you know, and I call that talking tree actually (laughs) (laughs) because talking tree is, it's just getting quiet enough to listen, Mm -hmm. you know, because they'll, they'll talk to you. They'll tell you stuff. And I have, um, in my studio, I like look out over the fence, um, up to a hill beyond it. And there's this big tree that kind of stands up on this hill. And I just have a direct shot looking at this tree. And there are so many moments where I'm like in there working and I'll look up and that tree is right there. And it, it always makes me feel connected to the earth and connected to what I'm doing. And for some reason, that tree in particular, it reminds me to to be proud, you know, it reminds me to like stand tall, be proud. Um, and not in like an egotistical way, but like to, to like remember to acknowledge the, um, the successes because I, I, I know some of my conditioning has been kind of wiping away successes a lot and really focusing more on hindrances. Um, so I often really have to remind myself to get present and to get positive <laughs> and the plants. That's what plants do for me. They help me get present and get positive. This is, I feel like such a easy takeaway. Really? It, I, I'm not going to water that down. It is like, if you're <laughs> listening and you want a today action item, it's like, get a plant in front of you and see what the message is that comes through for you. And, um, so much of our life has little messages if we're willing to receive them. Oh, yeah. That could be like a little play work for everyone. If you get a plant, see what, see what it's telling you. What do you need to hear? And if, I mean, I know it's over. It's, we're not like in, in view of each other. I know this is auditory, but um, there is a little trick um, that I've learned through pranic healing of how you can actually try to assess and really feel into your plant's energy. So for any of you energy lovers out there, this is a fun little thing you can do and you can practice on your your little fiddle leaf behind you, Linda. But you take your hands, just rub them together, start getting those chakras in your palms activated. You can even take your thumb and push it right into the center of your palm, which is where the chakras are, and activate them. (sighs) Center yourself with your breath and just Feel like take your hands further apart and then bring them closer together until you can feel something. It might feel like tingly. Sometimes I kind of call it like like a carbonation kind of feel where it feels like little pops, almost like if you were like seltzer water, like little pops of energy in between your hands. Sometimes it'll feel like a magnet, like pulling them together. Sometimes it'll feel more like a magnet repelling them, pushing them apart but you're just trying to feel for a little bit of energy in between your hands. And really what you're feeling is your own aura, which is, which is really cool. And then what we're going to do is we're going to, once we can feel some of that energy, you're going to try and reach in and feel the aura of your plants. So you can make the intention, let your plant know, Hey, we're going to communicate right now. And you just take your hand and move it closer to your plant until you can feel again some form of energy coming off of it. Okay, so the plant I'm feeling right now has an energy that's very cool and windy. So I actually feel like there's wind running across my hand right now. So that's one of the plants. Now, if I go to a plant next to it, which is actually a Sansevieria, 
Ooh, the energy of that one is warm and it's more magnetic. It's pulling my hand in as opposed to the plant I was feeling before, which felt more like a wave, like a cool wave. Mm-hmm. So you can actually go around if you have more than one type of plant and you can just kind of, and again, this is not going to get any messages yet, just feel into the aura and energy of your plant because they are living, well, all things have auras. All things have an energy field around them. Plants are no exception. And it's actually really fun to kind of go around and play around with energy and feel the different auras of your plants. But I like some plants that are really playful. And so when I put my hands around them, it feels like poppy and I just start feeling like kind of excited. And then I have some plants that are way mellower, that are like more rooted. And so when I feel into them, it feels like kind of pulls my hand in and I feel myself kind of settle in a little bit more. Just a fun. That's what just happened with the fiddlestick. Yeah. Like very like, it felt like heavier and the lighting is so much different in that corner than where I'm sitting, but it was like much darker and settling. And, and then like the smells all of a sudden got really intense. So that was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I can't remember the word, but um, there's a word for someone who gets, and smells as one mm. of the um, intuitive abilities, like cool. people who are like intuitive smellers. So, I'll and I think also with your, it. yeah, and with your fascination with the soil too, you were probably picking up on the nice, healthy soil that your yeah. plant has. That's that's interesting. It's that's one of the things I can like smell it right now. Is like the richest soil smell. Well, and I want to let you know because I was so I'm I'm writing a book right now on um, the physical emotional and spiritual wellness benefits of living and working intentionally with plants. Awesome. And some of the research that I've been doing, one of the things I want to let you know, especially with your fascination with the soil, is that there are microbes in healthy soil that are as effective as Prozac in alleviating depression. You're nodding if you knew this. I did. I did. I, there's two, uh, the plant cure and then pharmacy with, I think, a F. And uh, yeah. these, these, I, and I'm, I just, I love it. And so I'm nodding and like, hell yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think from some of the work we learned around, just like how that is all accessible to you without physically having it. Mm-hmm. As soon as you said that, I was getting the visuals of like, just giving yourself a dose, like mentally in the morning, like a tablespoon or a teaspoon of soil, like visually, like give yourself yeah. a meditation and just feeling like so nourished and filled up and good and all your nutrients and totally. We, I'm, I, when we were first in summer spirit school, remember there was this, um, one of our first guided meditations, were you the one who was standing in mud I, I did mm-hmm. one that it was clay, but uh, I remember okay. one that was like, almost like picturing your, and this might've been something different that I did, but I have had a, it, it is something different, but it was a similar like grounding practice of connecting and meditation, connecting to the earth yeah. and letting soil. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was when yeah. we decided meditations, but letting yeah. like through your earthing cord, like just be filled with soil mm-hmm. and then that rotation of like the cleansing and the soil and the cleansing I'm using my hands but pick <laughs> the soil up and then like the water cleansing you I remember that I remember yeah. that 
Yeah. yeah. Now that you mention it. And I love, like, I love playing with crystals and water and just all elements of nature, but more from the visualization standpoint mm-hmm. than having to actually go and do it like that. It's all accessible to your internal guidance system all the time. And so whatever yeah. energy through the visualization you'll get. Well, and I love that too, because one of the things I found in the research that I'm doing is that some of the health and wellness benefits that are available to us with plants is just through looking at them. I mean, yes, there's obviously making teas and tinctures and remedies and medicine and all of that, like the actual harvesting and ingesting of the plants. And there's also like, you know, going camping and being out in nature and being able to smell in all the beautiful terpenes and phytochemicals they're releasing that also really have a wonderful impact on our immune system, which is how essential oils work, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but be coming soon. I know, totally, totally. Um, but what's really cool is there's been some studies that have found that people who are healing from surgery, if they're in a room where they are actually have a view out their window of vegetation, they'll heal faster with less need of pain medication than those people who are healing from the same exact surgery in a room with a view of another building or a parking lot. Another study that was very similar to this one, but instead of looking at a window, they were looking at people who were in post-op rooms with a potted plant mm-hmm. versus those without. And again, it was the same thing. People were healing faster, typically about a day faster with less pain. They were um, saying that they had less anxiety and they actually were also saying that they had better interactions with the hospital staff wow. when they were in a room with a plant versus in a room without. You're like priming people through plants. There's something about plants being around that increases our happiness. I think what it really does is it reduces our stress and anything that reduces our stress is going to boost our immunity. Well, and, and our happiness. Getting, and, and just ox, purely like the oxygen, like you're getting more oxygen. Um, I'm like a, I get very fixed on like one statistic that one statistic or one recommendation that will be um, like, the one. So I'll give you a few examples. Mm -hmm. These are like things that stand out that are easy. And I love easy things. And I love things that feel like they pack a lot of punch. So in cooking school, we learned like, this is the, this isn't real. Like this is what my brain took as real for me. Okay. So it's real (laughs) for me, but it's like, if you eat mushrooms and onions regularly, like you will not have cancer. And so those are like regular staples. Somehow I heard some iteration of that and I keep that. Somewhere along the way, and this is, I'm laughing now because I still haven't bought one, but I think I pressured someone that is like in the plant world to tell me like, what's the best plant? Like I needed their one. (laughs) And somehow we got in this like long conversation around ferns and like the power of ferns. And I created this like imagery where like ferns like fix the air and they're so powerful and like buy ferns and I still have never bought a fern to hang a fern but like in my head those are like the power plan is like ferns oh cool I have not heard of ferns being more powerful than other plants when it comes to air filtration but some cool things about ferns they are ancient they are like one of the most ancient forms of plants. Ferns have been around since the times of the dinosaur. The way that they reproduce is different than other plants. They have like spores on the bottoms of their leaves I and love stuff. The spores. They're like I'm yeah, obsessed with them. So that's kind of cool. The fact that you know that like ferns themselves are pretty ancient. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And in Florida, you'd probably do really well with ferns because they like humidity. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to like humid climates. They also, depending on the types, but most of them are understory plants. So they're great for indoors because they like lower light. They don't, Mm -hmm. most of them do not want to be in bright, direct sun. Um, They can get acclimated to it, of course, but most of them would prefer to be more in like dappled light because they're understory plants. I have a harder time with ferns here in San Diego because it's very dry. Too dry. Um, And I am not someone who waters my plants daily. I tend to water like once a week all my house plants and my succulents. They, they, they handle themselves. (laughs) They're they're, they're good. (laughs) They're like once a month. (laughs) So if you learned anything from today's podcast, make sure that you go buy yourself a plant or find one. I always, I'm also a weirdo in my yard. I like find something that sprouts. Like I think it's the snake plant. We get those everywhere here. And I will like pot them and I'm like, okay, like this is someone's gift sometime. They're really a great gift. They're, they, for people who are just getting into being plant people, you cannot go wrong with snake plant. Area. They first of all, they're a huge amount of variety. Like mm-hmm. there's the kind of standard ones that kind of stick straight up. Um, but then there are some more cylindrical ones that have instead of like wide leaves, they're more circular and they go outwards. And they are so easy to care for. They can be acclimated to low light or high or like really bright conditions. They can go a month without being watered and still look pretty much exactly the same. Um, and they reproduce easily and they're really good oxygen producers and air purifiers. So they're just a, a plant you can go wrong with, unless you have a cat that likes to eat plants. Um, okay. but it would be hard for them to eat their, their leaves are really tough. Um, they'd really have to really work at it and it wouldn't kill them, but it would give them some stomach upset for sure. Yeah. And if your cat's doing that, that's the least of your problems. Yeah. Yeah. If your cat is able to get a bite out of a stance of the area, like you got to figure that tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Raquel. Uh, If you have any final thoughts you want to share. And then of course I want to know how our listeners can connect with you. I'll share that in our show notes. Um, But it's been such an honor. Oh, well, this was so fun. That hour just flew by. My goodness. Five minutes. I know. Well, I guess what I want to share is just this reminder that when we reconnect to that infinite power and that divinity that we find in nature, it's actually a way for us to reconnect to that same power and divinity within ourselves. Um, And I think that's something that's needed and necessary today. I think, and in fact, I actually think the earth is calling for us to do so. Um, So you, at some point during this interview, your face just started turning like God bright light. Like I I'm like, I don't know if you can see it within yourself or it's just me, but, um, yeah. So I just wanted to tell you that. Aww, it's probably just the sun moving. The goddess in you and, um, thank you. It's powerful. I'm like, that is the reminder, right? Yeah, it is. And that, and I think, for me personally, because I've always worked with nature, um, I used to work at you know zoos and aquariums, but there was something about when I began working intimately with plants, very one-on-one in a creative way that woke me up in a way that I hadn't been before and reminded me also of the true wellness of this world. And I think we often forget that we're so 
inundated with how much we're destroying the world and each other and everything's bad. And is there even going to be a world in like 20 years? There will be because <laughs> Earth is alive and she's been around way before us and she'll be around for a long time. But when I started working with plants, I actually was able to really feel into that divine wellness that really is flowing down to us and really is accessible to us at any moment. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. So where, where should we connect with you? Oh yes. Okay. So and, any, find- and we want to hear about your new book when that's coming out. Oh, well, I'm writing it right now. So, <laughs> so probably my hope is 2022 for okay. a release for that, which two is my favorite number. So I'm all like, yeah. Um, and uh, you can find me on my website, www.infinitesucculent.com, singular. Um, you can also find me at in, on Instagram, at Infinite Succulent, on Facebook with the backsplash Infinite Succulent, and I'm on Pinterest as well, Infinite Succulent. Awesome. So go give Raquel a follow and uh, you'll feel hopefully as inspired as I am every time I see it. And thank you all for tuning in today and stay tuned for our next episode. Oh, thank you so much, Linda. So fun. Yes. Head on over to Instagram at lilolife.co. Give me a like or a follow and lilolife.co as the website. Check out the free resources Password is Leela and things there that will change your life if you let them. Have a powerful week and see you next week.